You're listening to the Nerd to Know Media Network. Join us at nerdtoknowmedia.com. Broadcasting from the Blanchestan Center, this is Phoenix FM. This is 92.5 Phoenix FM, community radio for Dublin 15. Hey everybody, it's JB Jeremy Borash and you are listening to Daryl O'Connor on the... Welcome to the Wrestling Rewind. The only wrestling podcast by fans who don't hate wrestling. Hey everybody, you are listening to Phoenix 92.5 FM. This is the Wrestling Rewind. My name is Daryl Connor. This is show 126. And of course, if you're listening on Patreon, thank you so much. This is the going to be uh, the, the heat segment which we which we cut up and put up for Patreon listeners as well. Um but we still have to cover it on the main show because until SmackDown starts, it is single-handedly probably the most important show to watch week to week, and the rest of the show doesn't make sense without it. So this week we're going to obviously cover Heat, and then the final Raw to go home toward WrestleMania, and then quickly um, the Heat just before WrestleMania 15. So thank you so much for uh, checking out. Last week's show did quite well. Um, actually, say it's going to be 127 because it was uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin Day, and I'm going to pop the interview I did with Stone Cold Steve Austin up as uh, 126 from a couple of years ago. Because why not? I totally forgot I did an interview with Stone Cold Steve Austin. And I think it's it's a good time to put it back up on the feed. So, um, as I said, my name is Daryl Connor, And I'm joined by the one, the only, the Bertie boy. The one and all undefeated, Mr. Martin Herdy. How are things, Martin? Oh, grand. I, I, I thought you said Bertie by there for a second and there was some Bertie. sort of to Ahern. <laughs> oh, no. So for <laughs> listeners that may not know, Bertie Ahern was uh, a former T a former Taoiseach of Ireland, which is the Prime Minister of Ireland and a quite controversial figure. But no, it was your birthday. I, I, he, you know, he, he, was, he was what's known as a cute whore. <laughs> Going to have to edit that one out for uh, for FM, but yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, so it's been busy for you because it was Patrick's Day. Uh, uh, sorry, it was Stone Cold Steve Austin Day, Patrick's Day, and then your birthday. That's Absolutely. some weekend. That, that's a lot of uh, Steve Weisers. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had to get the truck out with the hose. Oh, man. It, it, isn't it funny that like Raw that we're watching now has like, all, this run just has all the like infamous moments just oh, out of nowhere. It's crazy. You know what? It's, it's great watching them um, like this because you have these huge moments in your head, yeah. you know, and they get played in like video packages and you see them like, you know, separately segments on YouTube or whatever. It's brilliant to just be watching a show and just have one of these moments just kind of naturally happen. Yeah. And when you're watching it, you're going, oh, that's that's where that came from. That's that's what that is. Well, it, it, um, it's it's really funny as well that like. It, it happens with the Hell in a Cell. The Hell in a Cell is, is you know, Corey McChrystal, former host of the Pro Wrestling uh, Rewind and um, the the International Desk for years, he would call the Hell in a Cell with, with Mankind and Undertaker the greatest lie that was ever told. And I would agree. I mean, you go back and watch the match and it's, 
it's not a very good match. But it is one of the most important matches of all time for those moments. And you kind of brought it up as well with, with some with the, you know, some of the segments that we would see on a raw or a heat, where it's like, oh, that was kind of a, a meh segment. And then you go back and watch the video package and you're like, oh my god, that was incredible. So <laughs> I've, it, I've been finding with the uh with the Undertaker, this yeah. has been um a lot of the stuff with the Undertaker has been happening has been kind of meh or maybe a wee bit a wee bit cheesy or a wee bit cringy when it's been happening. But when it's put back together in a video package, you know, black and white with the Undertaker's music over it and it's just the the key moments of the clip down. It's like, oh my God, this is the best thing ever. You know, I think WWE, actually modern fans generally who hate Bray Wyatt owe him a massive apology. Because he's not the Undertaker. I'm like, he kind of is. We just, like, in modern wrestling, we just don't have a lot of things that the Attitude Era had, which is really good editing in, in the sense that the story is more important than the matches because the matches don't happen. <laughs> you know, they just don't. Um, and also, you know, there there's more of like, okay, we're going to replay this segment and the segment is replayed rather than clips from the segment and it's pulled out. Like, I mean, that uh, Royal Rumble train wreck uh with bray wyatt i'm pretty sure if you clip that up in its own kind of way in a story you could oh. probably have a good segment on that oh yeah you could make that like in a video package you could make that look amazing yeah it's just watching it in real life and again watching it like with twitter and all that kind of stuff it's the attitude era didn't have this and i mean i was trying to you know i i, I don't engage with people on the internet with, with arguments anymore i just don't do it because there's no point but I saw one on some wrestling page and it was like um, Roman Reigns would have never got over in the Attitude Era. Like, yeah, he would have. <laughs> he would have been the top star. Are you for real? You know, or, you know, an ECW, you know, God help him for never having to go to ECW arena. It's like, why? He would have been a massive star. It's like, I just don't know what show. The show yeah. that's in their head is not what actually happened and i mean one of the goals that we're trying to do here on this show well or one of the one of the goals i have is to watch this in context and one look i i i've watched more wrestling in the past like week than i have in ages i watched i i, I pretty much jumped ahead i'm on wrestlemania already and then i was going back and watching some stuff from the hardcore division um watching a lot of uh, taz matches for some reason from 2001 oh. So, I mean, I, I'm properly, like, deep in here, and I'm just like, all right, there's, you know, we're trying to clear misconceptions here, because there, there's a lot of shade that gets thrown unfairly, and I think whoever was editing the show back in the day, hire him. He was doing a great job. The video package guy, not the actual show show, but the video package guy. Where's he gone? Where's he gone? You know, bring him back. <laughs> that might help. Probably, probably went uh, the same way as hundreds of the other employees did the past couple of years. Yeah, but what I mean is, it's like the magic that was on these shows, like even on a heat, right? And we, we've talked about it, and it's like, I the the heat before WrestleMania, we we're we it's not going to be its own show because it's there's there's nothing happens there. But we'll get to that point. This heat that we're talking about, the main thing is that The Rock is upset with the corporation, right? He is angry with the corporation, and it's just a long, wandering promo for about five minutes. And eventually, the big boss man has enough. The big boss man is like, look, you know, I want a piece of you or whatever. And it's funny because the big boss man is saying these really cheesy, like he uses his hard time cheesy promo. 
and The Rock is like, what are you talking about? Like, it's, He's it a couple of times. He did it a couple of times, and it's just The Rock is completely no selling it. And you're like, right, if this had been modern WWE, they would have made the boss man look ridiculous. But it's like, no, because The Rock was like, stop being ridiculous. I'm actually going to fight you. It actually just got them both over. And it's incredible. It's like the guys had enough freedom to really just go with it. Because, I mean, if that, if that promo was, was scripted today, right? Just say it was uh, John Moxley when he was there in WWE as Dean Ambrose and uh, Roman Reigns, which is probably a good a, a good comparison. Um, they were overly scripted. And he had to lean into the silliness of it rather than The Rock who's like, stop with that ridiculous pro- uh, saying. That doesn't mean anything. I'm going to s- stick that nightstick up your, you know. And <laughs> I don't know. How, how can you stand there and seriously say that they were overly scripted? You suffering suck attack. Exactly. That's exactly my point. Now, <laughs> if they had just been like, no, listen, just go out and, and, and be relatively real. I think they both would have benefit from it and i mean like this is the boss man <laughs> like my bookly out there with the rock <laughs> well, this is this is part of the reason why i think this um era has such a a kind of a, a charm to it um it's like you were talking earlier about how like these video packages are even better than the ones they do now mm. and that's mad because now it's they crazy. have like they must have like the just absolute state-of-the-art equipment. They have more money than they know what to do with. But I think that's part of the problem. Because mm. I think what you have with WWE now is this really overproduced product, this over-polished product. And it, it um, I don't know, it's just, for whatever reason, it just doesn't feel real to me. Where in this era, they're they're doing some really innovative things with some fairly limited technology, but Everton feels a wee bit grittier, feels a wee bit more down to earth. It's and at this stage, it still feels like like it's a wrestling show, like the wrestling hasn't been completely sidelined yet. Well, see, okay, it's funny that you mentioned that because I would say, and I mean, on this show, the wrestling, four minutes, one and a half minutes, one minute, Two and a half minutes. Two and a half minutes. The wrestling... Sorry. This is a pretty good heat. It is. It's a really good heat. But the wrestling... The wrestling isn't the focus. The story's the focus. And the wrestling feeds into the story. And I think that's what it is. Man, I'm the same with you. I'm like, how is a show that has less wrestling than the entrances? (laughs) The entrances (laughs) take five, you know... How is it? How how is a show that has less entrances, uh, less wrestling than the entrances, feels more like a wrestling show than exactly. a wrestling? Yeah, than a wrestling show that has fifteen minute classics with guys who legitimately can go out and have, who are more athletic than everyone standing in that ring right now. You know, I'm and it's because you one your sports and your sports entertained. You're like, I really want to know what happens in this story because the story is the most important part. And the wrestling builds around it. And like even to like Dr. Death Steve Williams, I actually care about Dr. Death Steve Williams hanging out with JR. <laughs> and I mean, that's insane. I think it's as well because this era was um is a really innovative era. So yeah. the stuff the stuff that we're seeing in it, um, when you look back and watch it in context in context. 
it can seem a wee bit different to our eyes now because we've seen it done a hundred times. Whereas back then when it was happening, this is the first time anything like this had happened. Like in the episode of Raw, we're coming up to Stone Cold driving the, the truck into the arena and then blasting the ring with the with beer from the hose. Like we've all seen a version of that a hundred times by this stage. But imagine you're just there like at a it's just a random raw um or maybe it's week four WrestleMania, so not quite random, but it's just yeah. it's an episode of Raw and then this just outlandish stunt happens. You know, it's um it's really it's a it's not even so much the stories or the wrestling, it's just that the whole show is creatively just vibrant. Just leave her off for one second because that's a whole thing. But I mean with heat, the driving part part, part of Raw here, actually, and I also just noticed I went back there and while while you were talking about the segment, there's some lad holding like a phone book and it's like falling apart and he's in the front row. Um don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> Hold the phone book. Um, and look, f- for Heat, um, The Rock's story of being this um, paranoid character, which we've seen over multiple weeks, starting with the big show and then going all, all the way through the entire corporation. That's another side of it. And then that would feed into what would happen with Austin. So this multifaceted um, story, basically, that has different elements that everything kind of feeds into it. Austin is feuding with The Rock, who is feuding with the entire corporation because he doesn't trust them. The Undertaker is kind of feuding with, with McMahon, in not, uh, not, a, not involved with Austin. But then Mankind is, you know, they all kind of feed into the same story that unfolds over many chapters. And then you have DX just running around and being <laughs> the best thing power. ever. Yeah, they're just being the best thing ever, you know. So look, let's get into this. Um, so yeah. this uh, heat came from uh, San Jose Arena in San Jose, San Jose, California. It was uh, March twenty first, nineteen ninety nine, and it was uh, the second last heat before um, WrestleMania Sunday. So just a normal heat before they actually got what I think they should have br- what they should bring back. Anyway, um. So it started off with the corporation coming out, The Rock again, running down everybody, and it would set up a match with the big boss man and The Rock, Shane McMahon, losing his mind, going, I'm going to get in serious trouble about this, and would no-sell the match anytime Kevin Kelly would bring it up. So that's where we are, and it would op- it would then open up with a bizarre match, but an entertaining match, n- nevertheless. Um, hardcore title match with uh, Al Snow and uh, Billy Gunn. Billy Gunn would defeat Al Snow in four minutes with a fame answer. Um, and look, you were kind of disappointed that um, Billy Gunn won this belt. I agree. I, I you know, it, it is co- cool for DX to kind of go in with, with more gold, but Billy Gunn should not be a hardcore champion. Uh, he Although, just doesn't with that fit. said, this was a pretty decent match. I, it was a very good I, match. I would have a, yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of the hardcore matches from this era because it tends to be a lot of kick, punch, walk over here, kick, punch, walk over here. This is this is a pretty decent match. I really liked um, at the start, Al Snow kind of just walking down to the ring and doing his entrance and then just jumping in the crowd and hiding in the crowd. There's one uh, thing I want to bring up on your point before you go. Uh, I'll let you go back to that point, but I just noticed. So when Bob Holly comes out for commentary, he actually makes a reference to 
Uh, did you notice all the saw the sawdust around the ring? Yes. Still? So this was obviously shot very soon after uh, last week, last uh, or last week's Raw, where yeah. they uh, where they built a, a commentary desk for Jr. Kevin Kelly then has to backtrack it later on. So you listen to it about halfway through the match, he's like, "Yeah, so you know Jr. wasn't here tonight," and um, you know, and then Bob Holly's like, "Oh crap, I need to like." Walk this back. So they both walk it back at one point, and obviously I thought it was the era. Is it of um, they go into an arena and they do one recorded raw and one live raw? Yeah, and then they do like a rake of heats. Heat, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, So obviously he wasn't. So obviously this this was taped right after that, and he had to go in and like (laughs) he basically he basically revealed it. But again, I would blame the. I blame the production staff because I mean that I, when I saw him coming out, I'm like, why is there still wood all over? I still uh, wood chippings all over the floor. I mean, yeah, that's just drop a quick, It's just a quick word, by the way. This is next week's show, so don't. Yeah, don't exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I thought that was funny. Sorry. So go back to your point there with with the, the match because I agree. Oh, the match yeah, with so I was. Well, I think it's partly down to the fact that so the two guys in it are great. Al Snow and Billy Gunn are are sort of really good wrestlers. Yeah, Snow yeah. obviously never got much above the mid card, but he was um he was a, a really kind of inventive, he had a really good wrestling mind. A good so, hand, as they say. Exactly, yeah. Mm. So I I enjoyed this match, thought it was a really good brawl. I Can thought, I call out a good sign, actually? It just yeah. says so. <laughs> <laughs> um so I thought <laughs> that's that, all it says. It just says suck. <laughs> <laughs> It was the era for us. <laughs> um, yeah, so I thought the um, that this it didn't betray the kind of spirit of the hardcore title, which is, you know, all the weapons and that. Mm. But it, it wasn't like, you know, trash cans and... Yeah, it wasn't, it, yeah, it wasn't garbage wrestling. It was like mm. the, the most the most creative they got was like, you know, I, and it's, it's what I've kind of noticed with this when you actually get guys who know how to wrestle. I know that sounds horrible, but that's the truth. Um, but they, it, is, it makes such a massive difference because, like, like I say, I typically don't enjoy this in WCW or WWF, but I enjoyed this match. I thought the, uh, you know, the main thing they used was a chair, and I thought yeah. that actually had some really inventive uses of it. Yeah, um, no, the, the chair that I, I, that's in my notes as well. I was like, by them actually having a match that's helped along. With a with the chair rather than okay, we're gonna take out you know sixteen uh you know sixteen weapons and it looks like it's ECW yeah. match. It's it's just it's not good. Um. So now I really really enjoyed this. Um. But as we say, this whole uh, episode of Heat was brilliant. It was banging. Yeah, it really was. It, it was like it just felt like a solid B show. It was, it, it was actually, it was even funny as well, because even the bad bits were kind of good. Like, so, uh, Hardcore Holly's on commentary mm. during this, because uh, he's going to be wrestling whoever the champion is at WrestleMania. Yeah. Um, and he's just terrible. Oh, he's awful. Um, Can I just say as well, uh, Bob Holly, sorry, Billy Gunn punches a chair. Don't never punch a chair unless you're the big show. Um, that was the stupidest part of the whole match <laughs> was that but i i loved the 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 moonsault with the chair 
Oh, brilliant. Such, such a cool, such a cool setup for, for the end of the match. It was really good. And, you know, more chair shots to the head, which was disappointing, but also incredibly satisfying. You know, as, as, as problematic as it is, seeing a chair shot to the head, uh, no one takes them better than Al Snow. Um, so, you know, it was what it was. Um, but no, no, this was this was great, uh, and and it's a testament to how good this heat was that we went from this match into an X Pac hype video, mm. and it was brilliant. It, it okay. had me really up, and like I'm I'm an X Pac gay. I, I think Sean Waltman's fantastic, but uh, yeah, this this had me really getting behind X Pac. So before we get there, the match finished up obviously with with um, a, a table spot and into a fame master basically. Um, Great table spot as well. Really good table spot. And then uh, Billy Gunn defended his, his title. Bob Holly comes in, batters everybody with a chair and leaves. <laughs> and then it goes into the Xbox hype video. Now, the, the cool thing about the Xbox hype, uh, hype video is, well, it, sorry, it's it's Tess trying to talk the rock out of fighting Big Boss Man and then it goes into it. And the cool thing about the, the hype video with, with Xbox is you don't really... This is not something you see very often because, like, X-Pac obviously came back to the WWE from WCW. And he was saying, look, I wasn't sure they were going to welcome me back. And we kind of skipped a little bit um, where Shawn Michaels turned on DX, basically, and became corporate. And then he kind of turned back. So that was kind of happening at the end of 1998. And then X-Pac would come back and be fully brought into the fold. And there was kind of the DX, the DX fighting. So, but to actually hear that in kind of a shoot, which this was, was actually very, very unique and not something I've ever had an appreciation before from X Pac. Because again, you just don't, you just don't think of him that way. You know, you think of him as you know X Pac, he go away, he or our Patreon, the X Pac Euro. Um, so we all want an X Pac Euro. We all need an Xbox Euro. Um, and if you don't know what that is, listen to last week or the, the show two weeks ago and go on our Patreon where you can find that out. But um, no, I mean, this made him look like a million bucks. It made him look like a legitimate legitimate threat. And then also got over the fact that Shane McMahon is in a lot of trouble because this guy is actually legitimate rather than Shane who isn't. Although Shane has a, a long history of putting himself in against uh, legitimate gays and, and making himself look good. Um, uh, I saw I saw uh, one of those countdown lists recently that was talking about WrestleMania matches because obviously we're into WrestleMania season here in yep. 2023 as well. And it was going over the match he had with um, AJ Styles. Mm. So AJ Styles is amazing. Even at that stage, it's amazing, legendary wrestler. And Shane's booked in a match <laughs> going toe-to-toe with them. But, I mean, the thing about this is it it still told a story. I mean, Shane coming back, we might actually look at that in a retrospective at some point if, if you guys want to. Um, but this was an actual story. It made sense. And then, like, even going into a, a, a video package, again, with the Main Street Posse, where they're talking about how tough Shane is. And it's just silly because you're like, no he's not like you know it, it, it's just the 
the visual of Rodney coming out and then just been like, hey, yeah, well, you know, Shane is the toughest guy ever. He beats people up randomly for fun. It's like, no, he doesn't. <laughs> this is the thing. And it's just, it's just, it just works so well. It's like, has this right level of goofiness that it's just funny, you know? Um, and so I don't know. Main Street Posse is a fantastic gimmick for him. I love it. I love it. It's one thing I've always wondered why that was never brought back more, you know, because Shane would periodically return over the years. I was wondering why he didn't bring the Mean Street Posse back more because they're brilliant. Well, one, well, one because like they stayed there until about 2000 and then they kind of petered out. Basically what happened is, and this is something we're going to see if we keep going into this timeline, actual wrestlers show up and take over the middle card, the mid card. That's what happens. Yeah. So that's, that's why if you, like, this is a very interesting period. 1989 is kind of, it's good and bad. It's like making the best of what you have out of, like, the road dog challenge for the WWF championship. <laughs> <laughs> the road dog, right? Um, and he had the IC belt, you know, so that was kind of your mid card. Then what happens is WCW starts going down the tubes, like, really badly. And all the lads leave who can actually wrestle. Jericho, Benoit, uh, Malenko, Perry Sarn. And they become the mid-card. And that's what happens. So all the guys who may have been able to get one of those feature spots, like your Joey Abs or your, your Rodney's or your Picasso's, they just disappear. And that's what happens. I was watching the Hardcore Battle Royale again, and, you know, Picasso's is there, busted wide open, and they're all fighting for the Hardcore belt, you know? Um, and I think I think we did a commentary track of that a couple of years ago. I'll try to dig that one out and put that up on the feed as well, because that's a good time. But, um... Yeah, I mean that's that's your answer, dude. Like, uh, but I also think as well, it's a very heel gimmick, right? So having the Main Street Posse out there now would actually, you know, what they should have done. Sorry, yeah. it, sorry. If Shane came back as a heel figure, the main, bring back the Main Street Posse, and then you'd have your own Stooges kind of thing, you know, where he's basically just yeah. being Vince. With the Main Street Posse. That's a really good show. They will, they will never do it. But they should do it. I think even if even if he was a face though. I, like I think you could make them. Kind of. Deluded. Lovable goofballs. You know. Yeah. A bit like. Um, like. Uh, what do you call them. Cool Hand. Ange. And Daddy Magic. In AEW. Yeah. Uh, actually. Uh, yeah. That could work. You know. They're technically heels. But they're such goofballs. And they're so funny. That. That well, like, likes if Shane ever goes to AEW, give Dimitri <laughs> Posse a show, you know. You know I am so torn whether I I'd actually want that to happen or not. Because it, 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 it would be a good moment. It would be great fun. Yeah, it would be a great moment. And I mean, like, if he's there with Dimitri Posse, come on, oh, even <laughs> be amazing, be amazing. Uh, and I will preface that's the only way I want to see that happen. I I just want to see him there with Dimitri Posse. Um, so yeah, look, we have another backstage segment with The Rock getting ready for his match. Shane's like, no, nah, this match isn't going to happen. And then out comes the former number one contender the road, and current Intercontinental Champion, the Road Dog. And he's going to go against Ken Shamrock. This match lasts about two minutes. It's a shame because I love Ken Shamrock. I really do. So when he's, you know, but again, he's married again by this, <laughs> this Ryan Shamrock nonsense. Uh, which is just like oh my god it's Ken Shamrock you know his time is limited he's going to be gone in September and I'm like oh so you know my heart kind of breaks a little bit so um, 
Shamrock was disqualified after Val Venus attacks the Road Dog. The match itself wasn't bad, but it was about two minutes. And Road yeah, Dog's little pre preamble was actually longer than the entire match. Some terrible haircuts as well, can I just say, in the crowd. Um it, it, just, it doesn't get more nineties than this. Bowl haircuts <laughs> everywhere. So um yeah. I like that we uh so um in the previous match Al Snow came out first, so Billy Gunn came out second, and in this match Road Dog came out first. So we had two renditions of Oh, oh you, you didn't know. <laughs> no, but, but with Billy Gunn, he doesn't say anything. It's just it, a din the din din. Oh, is there not a pre-recorded one no. for Billy Gunn? Oh, no, right. I, I I only realized that um a week or two ago when oh, they no, actually fought. Do you know what it is though? Do you know what it is though? What? The crowd yeah. shouts. The crowd shouts, yeah. It's just Billy, yeah, because you can clearly hear them saying it. But, yeah. But yeah. you got that sound <laughs> twice in a row. Yeah, but like there's a I can't I remember if it's on this raw or I was randomly watching it. I, no, I think it is. Yeah, it's on. It's on the raw we're going to talk about. They actually go against each other, and that's where I figured it out. Um, <laughs> you know, because it's a champion for it's a double championship match, but well, not actually I, I for watch, any championship. I watched these, um, the Heat and the Raw back to back. Right. Uh, and I think there's an, maybe another segment uh, where one of them's in it. But basically, when I sat and watched them, there's like four or five times where I'd heard that song, and it was starting to feel like. Um, do you remember? Uh, was it one Halloween Havoc that the NWO took over? No, it was match, sold out. Sold out, that's yeah, what it was. Yeah. And every match was, was NWO, and they all have the same goddamn entrance song. But you know what's crazy, though? It's like, DX, I'm a much bigger fan of DX after doing this run than I was. Like, I always liked DX, but I'm like, no, they they were really really cool <laughs> they were really cool but again like fair play to them road dog is super over for reasons for reasons oh, he just, well, he, well he's got he's got that awesome like it's uh he, he knew what his strengths were you know he knew yeah. he wasn't going to go out there and win people over with his uh with his matches but he has this he was in the right era and he had the right sort of stick uh, yeah, that that whole callback with the crowd, like the crowd loves anything that they're involved with. They do. Like, even people nowadays who are like sick of Jericho, they still pop for Judas, you know, and they still yeah. jump up to sing along to Judas. Yeah, the crowd interaction is like the key for wrestling for some reason. The crowd just loves being part of it, you know. But this match ends uh, with Falvinus coming out and interrupting the match. And then we have a smaz where Goldust comes out with the, with the Blue Meanie and just like oh you know we're gonna have this whole thing and then it sets up uh the match at wrestlemania but cuts backstage jr is there with um dr death steve williams and he's going to come out and he's going to kill the hardy boys the hardy boys is amazing and that this, this is because it's funny we're about to see, like the more heat you watch the hardy show up again next week and stuff like that but the the even going back into 1998, I was watching a random heat from 1998 as well, and they got killed by someone else. And it's just like, oh, they were kind of just backstage. They were just jobbers. And it's it's funny because they're wearing like this these terrible yellow things. And it's like, oh, they still haven't figured out who they actually are. But you can see them starting to come through. So there's like two, two things I thought about this was uh, one, so it was Dr. Death versus the Hardy Boys in a handicap match. 
mm. uh, one it was actually a pretty decent match it wasn't very what? long and it was it was a squash but it it showed that they were maybe trying to rehabilitate uh dr death a wee bit yeah so they were yeah. good, they really were yeah like there was there was an effort there so it was a good match made dr death look really strong the other thing i liked about it was that it was really cool seeing the hardys um you could see flashes of where they were going. Like mm. they they got battered here, but yeah. they got a lot of their stuff in. You know, they got a lot of the their double um, team in double yeah. team moves and stuff that would become iconic later on. But it's also kind of cool just to sit and watch it. And like you're talking about, you know, like the kind of awkward gear that's almost but not quite them yet. It's awesome to think like in a relatively short amount of time. Like in a couple of months, they're going to go from this to one of the biggest tag teams ever. Yeah, no, and it's it's funny because um, like I don't know when it happens. There's a couple of like when you're watching this again, it happens with um too sexy as well. I don't know if you know uh, too cool or too sexy before you know. Yeah. So there's that awkward thing that we're actually going to live through very very soon. Um, and it's it's actually as terrible as it sounds. But um, they randomly fall into too cool. The Hardys, it's a little bit more. There's a little bit more effort put into it. Um, when the Brood breaks up, they become the new Brood. Uh, sorry, they start teaming with um, Michael Michael P. Hayes. Yeah. And then they become the new Brood, and then and then the old Brood and new Brood feud, and then they have the ladder match, and they're superstars. They have brood feud. <laughs> no, but they have the ladder match at No Mercy in October, and they become. The four of them become megastars. Yeah, so that's it. From they're not there. there they're, they're not there yet. But we have a lot. We have a lot of like random. Heat, and I'm glad. That's why I'm so glad we're doing heat because there's no way we would see this otherwise. Because they're just not getting on raw. There's no way they're getting on raw. Um, <laughs> but I'm really looking forward to that transition. I'm really looking yeah, forward. We're, to we're going that. to see. I, but for if you're playing along at home, I mean, when you're watching heat, keep an eye out for like random backstage people because you know. We saw um, Christopher Daniels randomly backstage with the Hardy. Oh yeah, it's yeah. it's um, yeah, it's it's kind of fascinating, particularly when you, like you say, you do know the history and you're looking back at it. It's it's kind of fascinating to see who's there, who's hanging about, even to see who's like doing, you know, those uh, extras roles that just have yes. you know bodyguards yes. or something like that. It's it's yeah. always cool to see. You go, oh, holy hell, is that MJF or is that, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's, you know, I think the knowing what happens and then seeing it unfolding is, is interesting, not only for the top stars, but for, like, as you said, guys who won't even make that impact yet, you know? Um, from there, we have the Godfather coming out with the hose, and then it's a match against, um, um, it's going to be some Steve Austin, Triple H, uh, Triple H wearing his DX gear still. Interesting thing about this is the match wasn't very long. It was like two minutes, finished with a pedigree. But the Godfather didn't often offer Triple H to host, and he seemed really interested. He just attacked them. He, he, you can see, and I don't know if he was meant to do this or not, but you can see Triple H full on trying to grab one of them, uh, you know, to to, to pinch a cheek, and uh, you can see her like hopping and moving out of the way really quickly. But I mean, is this the only time? that that kind of happened because usually he makes the offer. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if maybe they and were they meant to do something like that. Um, 
Again, okay. guys, we don't condone any of this. This is the gimmick. Like this is. Oh, this is the gimmick. Yeah, this is the um, gimmick. But you do have to respect it because at the same time, whether you're, uh, you know, don't find any moral issues or you're morally opposed to it. The fact is that pimping ain't easy. <laughs> it ain't. It ain't easy. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I that kind of took me off guard. The match itself was a very play by the numbers. Um, card uh, it wasn't a very good triple h match it wasn't a very good godfather match it just was a match but it, you know it was a match it had a definitive beginning middle and end uh, and i i love that um so the godfather is one of those characters who's kind of in a perfect spot in wwf the time because you can beat him all day and it is not going to affect his popularity at all. Wonder, like no. so he he gets beaten in this Triple H gets to win a match. He rolls out of the ring. Godfather's laying on the on the mat like after being pedigreed. And the next thing, his hose come in and like pile on top of him, and they're yeah. all like hugging him and saying, "Is he all right?" And there's a big smile on his face, and you're just like, "Oh, he's over." <laughs> well, he's talked about it himself. He's like, he's incredibly over. And what it, what's weird about it is, <laughs> Triple H is giving them all crotch shops as they're coming in, and it's like, I still don't know why he wasn't. You know, offered one. Okay. What did he yeah. do? They never like said that they had beef or anything. Because usually the Godfather would be like, "Look, I'd much rather just go home." And I'm just like, "Was there some kind of beef between these two or whatever?" But either way, Godfather super over. Triple H gets the win, and then it's revealed that the Big Show's in the limo for some reason. Uh, I'm not feeling the Big Show at all. Like genuinely, I mean, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. He's so physically imposing. And they're making the effort, but it is mm. just not coming across. Yeah. No, it's just not working. I mean, I knew he shows up. He just, uh, it's just, it's but very. Maybe he needed more of a monster gimmick. Maybe he needed. Maybe the... he needed. Yeah. Maybe he needed a gimmick. Genuinely. Yeah. Rather than being, I'm Paul White. I'm really big. But maybe, maybe rather than having him walking around with the corporation, maybe he needed to be out there doing a couple of squash matches absolutely murdering lads you know we haven't really seen him do that no one in fact haven't seen him do that i think on the next raw i think that's his first actual match so you could be right no he had a match with what's the what's the raw match the raw match is no he had a match with um mankind yeah wait no he didn't i think you're right yeah 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 i think you're right yeah i'm no i'm with you here like, I don't know what it is. I'm looking at him and he's undoubtedly massive. Like, he's looking down on Kane. Yeah. And um, he's getting all the time in the world. Like, they're clearly putting the effort in with him. I just don't know what it is. It's just not clicking for me. Yeah. I, and again, I, if I figure out what it is, I'll let you know. But it just seems like it seems flat. You know, I'm like, how can you make, and it's not because they're doing anything wrong with him. It's just, he just doesn't seem. Interested is the wrong word, but doesn't really seem special. And when you can't make the when you can't when you can't use the fact that you're like seven foot tall to, you know, seem interesting, it's it's a problem. And it, you'll yeah. see, you know, it's just it's very. I'm interested to see where this goes over the year. You know, we're only what in the third month, and um, already it's you know, so big boss man comes out again, uh, where he always should be the main event. <laughs> uh, you know, it is heat, but still. <laughs> so he comes out. Yeah. He's going to have a match with The Rock, and already you know The Rock is going to absolutely decimate him, which he does. Uh, Shane is screaming 
a commentary uh, going, no, what's going on? I mean, I don't like this. We should be coming together. Blah, 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 blah. The Rock comes out. The people really want to cheer him. Uh, they don't. Uh, the Rock coming out again in his in his best look. Uh, the you know the 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 tracksuit bottoms thing. I mean, I don't know. The Rock, I just think that suits the Rock a lot more than coming out in jocks because it's just like he's like, oh yeah, I don't need to change. I'm just gonna bat here and go back. It just I don't know. It just gives off more of like a. It's a, it's a really good heel look. Yeah, I don't know if I'd have it on babyface rock, but it's a it's a really good heel look. It's just it's just class because it's just like oh he just he cares so little. He's like right, I'm gonna wear this weird top and these tracksuit bottoms, and I'm gonna come out and win, and it's gonna be the size of, the size of. Again, I was distracted the whole time because they must have knocked that that wood chipping everywhere. It's everywhere by this point i'm like get a hoover you know one of henry hoovers use one of those you know <laughs> yeah it's like why did you not hoover send one of the gays out for five minutes like kind it's... of yeah hoover and mop it and just make it look because it's just very distracting because it's like this was obviously pre-taped weeks ago you know it, i don't know what it is there, there there's a bizarre thing with wrestling sometimes where people make like really weird flubs particularly in segments or backstage interviews and stuff mm. and and they put them in the show and i'm like like lads just <laughs> just do another go <laughs> yeah it's like just 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 fix it i mean i remember i was at a taping in i think it was liverpool uh for smackdown and he actually went no it was raw it was it was a raw and the uh, the women had come out and they were wearing the wrong jersey and the whole crowd ate them alive so they came back and did it again the crowd actually got it you know because they just were like no we have to do this again and I mean, I don't think that's a problem with a tape show, but like they had time to fix this. And it's just, it's very off-putting when you yeah. notice it because you can't Mac, help Mac but notice it. Actually, a couple of weeks ago, um, Max Caster of The Acclaimed. So he does a, a, a rap as he's coming down to the, to the ring. Um, you know, like whoever his opponent is that week, like he, mm. he ripped on the new one. And he's he's genuinely brilliant. He's 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 very funny. But he flubbed it at a rampage tape, and so it was rampage, so it wasn't live. But uh, he flubbed his line, and he basically just stopped and he said, "Nah, nah, let's do it again." Yeah, like thousands of people there, and he just went backstage and just did it again, and and it, it looked great on the show. And the, the only reason he even knew about it was because uh, people there recorded it with their phones. But, but even like, that, like they put that up on their own social media and made like a like a joke out of it. Yeah, but I don't I don't even think that's a problem. Like it's just yeah. like if like obviously now AEW would be the only ones that would have to do it, but and WWE doing it when they when they go overseas uh, to the UK or something like that. But I mean, there was no real excuse for this. It's just you know maybe they just had to bang through it, or they only had a certain amount of time. But you know if you guys noticed it as well. I really noticed that and I just couldn't help but particularly because so much stuff happens outside like over at the announced desk um, and thanks Harcourt Holly because you actually drew, drew attention to it um, but yeah so this match basically it, it's a non-finish um, the lights get knocked out and uh, the entire uh, ministry basically come out and absolutely batter the big boss man The Rock walks away which is a super heel move really he's like I don't I don't need to be involved in this. And it's like, yeah, go and do the work for him. However, 
who isn't out there? The Undertaker. And The Rock sells The Undertaker like, oh, wow, this is... And that's kind of the power. Like, we haven't really seen The Undertaker do anything, really, <laughs> since is, we've is, been, you know, in the ring. Is gimmick at this stage, or is he injured, or...? He... He wasn't injured, but this is his gimmick. He gets injured yeah. in 2000, and that's why he's pretty much gone for all the 2000. But he is carrying maybe. some injuries, but no, this is just his gimmick. Or maybe he just doesn't want to be in the ring with Viscera, even if he's on the same team. I mean, can you blame him, really? <laughs> um, but yeah, so he goes off the air in a very bizarre way. Paul White is, you know, looking at Undertaker. Rock is in the middle. He's playing Piggy in the middle, and Undertaker's doing his eyes roll back thing and then it goes off the air and it's weird <laughs> it's it's so awkward because it's like it's, okay. it's yeah but it's um man i thought this was such a great ep- it was an hour not even an hour it's like 45 40, minutes. 41 minutes it bangs along like at a flying pace it's got this great like you say the story with the rock this kind of um thread that runs the whole way through the episode and then everything else all the different matches and different feuds and different stories all kind of happen around it. Mm. Um, I just think this is the, this is the format for an hour long show. I agree. You know, this is absolutely, absolutely huge. You take a big issue and you make that the focal point of the whole show and everything else happens around it. And what it does then is it, uh, it gets rid of any kind of B show stigma because yeah. no, this is actually real integral to the, to the main stories that are happening. Like and I mean, th- I mean, that's, that's why we're doing heat, you know, on the main show, because it's so important to everything else that without, without doing heat now, we're missing a massive part of the story. Exactly. So I think it's, it's kind of indicative of this whole episode of this whole era in that, look, it didn't have the best matches in the world. It didn't have the best wrestling in the world. It didn't even have like the best segments or that in the there world. There was less than six minutes of wrestling in that entire show. <laughs> but when you put it all together, yeah, it's a great episode. It is. It's uh, it's very much um, more than the sum of its parts. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like I'm. We are going to end the Patreon show here because obviously we're just covering heat on that. Um, and we have another 15 minutes on, on the radio um, and then we'll kind of continue into Raw but that's it I mean we had to cover Heat and we have to keep doing it until I think until Smackdown shows up and then it kind of takes a lot of the pressure off it and that's when you start getting the dregs um, I mean that in the best way it's like still that doesn't matter you know it's kind of thrown on but this 41 minutes of wrestling um, it's, it's so super tight now the only one who wasn't on the show was Austin but you had The Rock and The Undertaker you know, oh yeah, big, big, big names, names. Like, big names. You know, it wasn't like oh sure, and you and know we've seen Stone the Cold there. Storyline like this is all like the storyline um, around this is all to do with the world title. Like this is the this is the WrestleMania storyline that's being advanced here. Absolutely. So we get to Raw. Um, Raw is a, a, from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, the first Union Center, March twenty eight nine. Oh sorry, sorry. It's, uh, that's WrestleMania. <laughs> Raw <laughs> comes from the Pepsi Arena in Albany, New York, March 15th, 1999. Um, and it starts off with a Vince McMahon, Shane McMahon, 
uh, rock segment. But before that, it's uh, Austin walks by an ominous beer truck. And you're like, oh, this is going to be the segment. And it was. And it was. Really weird sign as Vince walks out. Hi, Rock, I know my role. That's <laughs> just bizarre. I don't really know what they're trying to get at there, but okay. But I like it. I like the I like the creativity of the signs back then. Um and I think I think the main thing I like about them is that it's not just a load of people advertising their own podcast. <laughs> I mean, there's some of that too. On on Heat, there was like loads of people advertising something. I don't know what it was, but I'm assuming it was a podcast. Could well, have been could have been <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. The, the internet still existed, you know? Um, yeah, but look, the, the actual overall uh, content of this promo to start off Raw was actually quite cool because it's wrapped, because they're both champions, Shane and The Rock are champions, and Vince is like, look, you're both going to walk in as champions, you're going to best, you know, and then you're going to come out as champions and I actually really liked it because it was you know you could see Vince being proud of Shane and also like you know The Rock you know really is just properly heel rock here but the crowd still really like him and it gets worse the more you go in where he's like you know sing along with the champ it's like no but people really want to do it um, so it is kind of funny uh, on the really next hot crowd as well super hot crowd they are like ready to go um, and this kind of goes back and forward. Can I just say, I love the, the European Championship. It's a beautiful belt. Shame it was gone, but you know it is what it is. I think it works quite well as a prop. Well, all belts are props, but I think this works really well as a prop because it's like Shane is just like, look at what I won. Even yeah, though... Even though it was, for, um, huh? It's great, it's great for certain storylines. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's It's not the worker's belt, but I think for this, it just adds so much. And I would say Shane McMahon's probably one of the greatest European champions of all time, which is hilarious. But I think it's true. Genuinely. Um, okay. So what happens then is The Rock cuts a promo. Uh, Austin's watching backstage. And it, what's cool about it is they play it on the Titantron. So they actually play to Austin as watching it. And then they kind of call him out. Um, Austin's music hit. Uh, sorry. Uh, Mankind's music hits. And Mankind, again, another storyline that we haven't talked about is... The whole uh, WrestleMania special referee thing. So Mankind comes out and he's like, look, you know, I want to make sure everything here is 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 kosher. Everything here is good. And uh, it, it then sets up a match later on where uh, The Rock needs to defeat Mankind. You know, basically the winner gets to be the guest referee for the actual main event, which is Austin and The Big Show. So that's kind of such a strange. Like, what do you make of the story for for Mick Foley? Because he's oh yeah, okay, really big. He's like like absolutely super hot with the crowd. I don't know, kind of having him. I I know he's more now into his kind of comedy goofy role at this stage, hmm. but I I don't know. It just seems like kind of a waste of a big name. I wouldn't say this is a waste. I would say at this point, I think it's convoluted. Yeah, like he's really fighting to be the referee. I'm like, why? No, I mean, I don't. I mean, I don't mind that so much. This is what this specific part of Raw is when I fell off the storyline because I'm like, right, you've already won a match like this three times. You're gonna have a match at WrestleMania. 
and it's just it's like it's very convoluted and he's like oh i went to sean michaels and i got this and it's like no you didn't no you didn't that's a lie you know and it, it's just like it, it stretches the point of believability you know if sean michaels had to come out himself and been or popped up on the tron fair enough but the fact that mick at some point went to san antonio with a contract and then came back i'm like no he didn't you know it's it seems like and i, I agree with you it is a waste I think what happened here is they were writing mixed segment week to week to week as like a thread. Yeah. And, it, and you know, unfortunately, the big show is tied up there as well. So, I mean, that's why it's the weakest of the WrestleMania big matches and the big shows in the weakest of the big show, uh, the, the big matches for WrestleMania. I think that's what it is. Genuinely. Yeah, also the fact that he had to go to San Antonio. It's like, I know it's 1999, but telephones and fax machines still exist yeah i mean exactly it's like or, or it's a titantron i mean sean michaels has shown up on the titantron before they can do a satellite feed you can you know um so but this is all to build up for what they were actually trying to do out there one of the biggest wrestling moments of all time oh. stone cold steve austin comes out on the beer truck um cuts a, a pretty good promo drives not not under drives through the Titan Tron actually clips it and it lifts and moves as he's driving underneath it. <laughs> Which is cool. I mean, you know, a lot of people say that the current Tron just screens is kind of lame. It's like, yeah, it is. Because it's not a physical thing. Physical sets are very important. I'm glad AEW do that. But like, this is why, because it gives you a lot more things to play with. And having that just image of Austin just driving down. Now, obviously... You know, your man's in there with him and it's all kind of safe and stuff as well. But it's just like, it's still a cool image. And again, for video package, this is one we're talking about. It was a cool moment as it was happening. When it happens in a video package, it's iconic. I'll tell you what was great about it as well. I mean, obviously, it's just, it's very cool. Also comes down to the the ring in this massive truck and he does his, uh, does his promo, like you say, a pretty good promo. And then whips out the hose and blasts the ring. Um, but I think what really adds to it is how well it's sold. So, like, The Rock gets a blast and he's really annoyed, but he kind of gets out of the way because he still yeah. has to be, you know, like a threat. Whereas McMahon is allowed to just goof it up and he, he lays in the ring, like, splashing around like he's trying to swim. And it's genuinely <laughs> hilarious. It is. It's very good. It's very, very good. Um and uh, you know it, it sets up kind of the tone of the night it, it's a big moment for wrestlemania you know if you were watching this back in 1999 which we were but we were like eight and ten respectively probably um you know you're like oh i need to see this you know uh but I, maybe as an adult you're watching this what 20 you know 18 20 whatever and you're like oh I, i'm gonna buy this you know because this is a massive massive moment and a really cool way to sell that, you know, this is going to be one of the biggest matches of all time. And one of the biggest shows of all time. It's a WrestleMania moment outside of WrestleMania, which, again, we don't see. We don't. There's oh, nothing ha- There's nothing happening at WrestleMania now. And we're a couple of weeks away from actual WrestleMania in 2023. And I genuinely couldn't care less. You know, it's, it's one of those. I think maybe because we have know the network now and, and in the US you don't even have the network now you just have uh, the Peacock app mm. um, and they're 
it's through that that they're getting these huge numbers. Yeah. Like the last Royal Rumble was the most successful one ever. I don't think it's because it was this huge, insanely hot build. I think it's because it's already in all these homes. Yeah. It, for, like it's four ninety nine if you're on Peacock. Like it's the type of thing you might as well just ah stick that on. Yeah, sure. Why not? It's only so but, much. But uh, you know, exactly, and but because they're because they have that almost kind of built in audience, they don't need to sell pay per views anymore. But yeah. this this is a sell a pay. This is someone sees that and goes right. Well, if that's what's happening on Raw, I'm I need it. to I need to get WrestleMania because God only knows what they're going to do. We are going to have to leave it there, uh, but I will say one thing here. I'm looking at the card for WrestleMania, and we will obviously talk about it more as it goes in, as it goes on. Um, April first is when WrestleMania is uh, first and second because it's a two nighter. Um, you know, I can imagine the only thing that would have something similar to it is Edge versus Finn Balor in Hell in a Cell. Um, probably going to have to start watching just to kind of see if there is some kind of build on it. But everything you said there, man, is 100 percent right. Like it's there's none of these big cell moments. It's they're already it's already in. It's already in those homes. So that's what they're getting. You know, it, it's, a, it's a captive audience, for want of a better word. But Martin, we are going to have a leave it there for the Phoenix FM listeners. Guys, we'll be back next week to talk about WrestleMania 15, the granddaddy of them all from 1999. And we'll be back here on the True Penny channel, uh, Nerd to Know Media, WrestlingRewind.com, and all the, podcast, all the podcast outlets to talk about the rest of Raw um, from March 22nd, 1999. So we'll be back after this show. What was the next part, Yoro? You have nothing else to do on a Saturday? Do you like nerd things? Now check out Nerd to Know Basis here on Phoenix 92.5 FM, 5pm to 6pm, and then head over to nerdtoknowmedia.com for all of our shows as part of the Nerd to Know Media Radio Network. Thank you for listening to a Nerd to Know Media production. Alright folks, and we're back here on uh, Nerds No Media, the True Penny Channel, all the podcast places. Give us an X-Pack Euro, guys. Come on. We need it. We need it. It's it's on the Patreon. Uh, the links are over on the Um There are different tiers, um, and that will uh, really be appreciated because, um, you know, we discovered that at the beginning of Xbox team, he's not, in fact, not saying Xbox. He's saying, make some noise. Which... I still can't believe Martin. And I think it's a it's a wonderful bit of trivia that's worth a euro. I think it is at least a euro. <laughs> but we also put up our Bukili list as well. So if, if you have Bukili that that you think, you know, we need to kind of give some praise to or give our thoughts on, let us know because uh, everyone knows that um, Big Boss Man is top of my list. Martin, who's top <laughs> no. of your list? Actually, oh. from this from, from this era. From this oh, actually, from this era is a strange one. So prior to this would have been probably Doink, and then after it, it would probably be Jake Hager. Right. But my favourite, uh, do you know who? Al, who? Al Snow. I'd go oh, Al that's Snow. a good one. That's a good one. Man, that's a good one. I, I, You know, I, I want to put Billy Gunn there, but he's in DX, so he can't, or even Road Dog. Wait, Road Dog's gone in there. Road Dog's a Bukali as well. He is. He's, even though he's he like, you know. 
Yeah, it's hard hard to say, like you say, because he was like uh, genuinely over as tag team champions, you know. So it's. I know, but I mean, he's such a boy. Like, yeah, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Just you know, even though you know he he had a world title shot, which again is the most bizarre thing that's probably ever happened in wrestling. That's saying something. But I mean, like he but just he was one hundred percent just the the cat that fell in the cream. He just yeah. was the right place, the right time with the the right gimmick. <laughs> and then he. It. And he was in DX as well. So, I mean, it is kind of hard to put anyone from DX as a Boogly. But then again, the boss man was in the corporation. And the corporation in and of itself has oh. a lot of Boogly as well. Midian could be there too, but we haven't really seen that much of Midian yet. Um, even at this point, look, if things had gone bad for Paul White, Paul White would nearly, you know, be on the unemployment line rather than anywhere near a Boogly list because terrible. Terrible. I'd stick Vitera in my Boogly list for the same reason as the Undertaker wanted him in his team. <laughs> I'd rather have him on my side so I don't have to face him. Oh man, I mean, getting a splash from uh, from Viscera probably would be the least fun thing ever. But uh, yeah, picking up um, where we left off here after the the beer bash kind of thing, um, you, you know, Vince is obviously upset and it cuts backstage to Deborah. Fixing herself, getting ready to come out because we're going to have more of the the Deborah, excuse me, Ivory Sable generic women feud. Yeah, it's really terrible. It gets really terrible. So you know that that is coming. But before that, we have Jeff Jarrett and Owen Hart defending the WWF Tag Team Championships against the Brood, Edge, and Gangrel. However. They play by free build rules, which they don't actually talk about on commentary. They just say, what's going on? Why isn't the ref saying it? So Christian actually takes part in this match as well, which, okay, I didn't realize you could do that, but you you can. It's it's a losing effort from the brood. And um, if, if that what happened here, it was the free bird rules. It wasn't that... Um, so, right, I got slightly confused here then because go on. obviously Edge and Christian were, were jumping in and jumping out. Yeah, um, and I was like, "But they're not even wearing like the same clothes. How is yeah. the referee being tricked by this?" This is this is exactly where where I was coming from as well. I'm like, "Okay, Gangrel has to stay in the match. Oh, sorry, Gangrel and Christian could swap out, but Edge and Christian can't swap out." Right. right yeah. That, okay. No, I mean, because that would have made sense because they kind of look at like, not really, but kind of because they're wearing the same gear. I don't think it was the Freebirds rule. They just did it. Right, yeah, because I was thinking, so so um, Edge is wearing, uh, yeah, like the black trousers, and yeah. Christian's wearing, I think, purple trousers and a white shirt, and yeah. I'm like, oh, lads, if he's going to do this roll-in, roll-out gimmick, at least come down to the ring wearing the same Exactly, <laughs> the same yeah. yeah, I mean, like, because Edge kind of wears his own, his own stuff. Gangrel and Christian kind of wear the same stuff, but, I mean, at one point, Who's it? It's Timmy. Is that Tim White? Yeah, Tim White's the referee. He's a terrible referee. I mean, like it happens in front of him, and he's like, "Yeah, it's fine." <laughs> so it's like, no, ridiculous. Um, another story that's going parallel to this is Jr. at a frat party with Doctor Death, Steve Williams. Yes, I think this was stolen from Nitro. So it's around this time Nitro was doing the um, "Show us your Nitro party" gimmick, 
uh, where they'd have people send in video footage of mo- and it was mostly frat houses of right. them all getting ready for a like a big party to all sit around and watch uh, Nitro. I think WWF saw that and thought that's a good idea. <laughs> I'll have some of that. There's a part in the match actually that's, that's pretty funny where Tim White is given out to Gangrel and Christian. Um, while sorry, yeah, he's giving out Gangrel and Christian. Sorry, giving out to Edge while Gangrel and Christian are in the match. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So and I don't then know. they swap back to uh, Edge and Edge and Gangrel in the match, and at no point is the ref like, "Oh, this is grand." And the, uh, this is where this this is what I'm saying to you about wrestling comes second and the story comes first. Because obviously the story here was um, pub- the the persecution of Public Enemy. <laughs> Um, because basically this match meant nothing until Public Enemy ran out. So I think the ref was just told, "Look, just keep the match going until we send out the two jobbers, so they can get killed by everybody in the ring." You were right last week, by the way. We had a oh. we had a bit of a, a discussion about whether or not. Um, so Public Enemy were in a match last week, um, and there's a, a very visible chair shot mm. happens right in front of the referee. And we were like, oh, was the referee just stupid? Was that a like a, he was supposed to be looking the other way? Was that a botch? Or is is this the gimmick that everybody hates public enemy so much, even the referees are in it? Yeah. That was that was your understanding of it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, during the the segment here, they actually do say that even the referees hate public enemy. It has to be a consistent thing because the entire company is against them, with the exception of the, oh, the exception of the commentators. They're the only ones who are like, you know, public enemy, poor public enemy, <laughs> you know. Um, and I think this is Michael Cole because he's like, uh, he needs to be somewhat objective. But um, what happens then is the lights cut out, the brood music plays. A, a weird rendition of the brood, the brood music. I actually really liked it. I thought it was quite cool, and. Um, yeah, there's a bloodbath on Deborah. So that's it. The match is Trump now. Really, like some sometimes these uh, bloodbaths happen, you know, stuff drops and it kinda just misses people or just splashes on people. Mm. But it fully hits Deborah and it's um it reminded me of that scene from Carrie. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, and the whole setup as well of her checking herself before she left as well, really kind of it was really effective. You know, it's unfortunate though because I mean, the Brood could have won that match. They should have had their you know what together because you know if you're going to do the freeboard rule, establish it. But it was still a, a cool little segment. Uh, we then cut backstage to the New Age Outlaws talking about the match they're going to have against each other. Some lad interviewing them who, it, 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 I think, in the history of WWE backstage interviewers, he might be the strangest looking one. He looks like a a German exchange student who was just showing up. Or even the guy, what's it, the the hacker from um, what's that show, what's that movie called, uh, from Swordfish, who uh, gets arrested at the beginning of the movie. That's who he looks like with the weird little glasses. And I'm like, you didn't have anyone else, you know, <laughs> just this random guy. Um, but yeah, and WWE have gone back to that of just using like random random people, um, including that Irish guy who always seems to just show up from time to time. But anyway, that's a, that's a, that's a tangent, huh? Kevin Patrick, I think he's a. They've actually moved him now. I think he's a full time commentator. Really? Yeah. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, Good man, Kevin. 
Didn't know WWE had a hotel in Las Vegas back in 1999, but they did. Did you know that? No. Yeah, Shane McMahon's wearing the t-shirt, which is uh, funny. Our next match is a, is a it's a doozy. Uh, look, I, I feel I feel bad. Um, sorry, the next match is the. Sorry, I'm jumping ahead. The next match is actually a, quite an interesting match. Billy Gunn, hardcore champion, Road Dog, Intercontinental champion, ends in a no contest. Um, this is quite good because, like, except for the you know, oh, you didn't know happening back to back, and Road Dog seems to get over a bit more with it because he's obviously doing the the, the VO, you know. Yeah. Uh, but the match is quite good. It, it the story that they're telling is that look, they're able to beat each other because they're they're best friends, they're tag team partners, um, and then all of a sudden we get shenanigans, and the shenanigans is comprehensive. It's the blue meanie showing up, um, which is cack. Uh, but with with the rest of the lads, and blue meanie actually gets a bigger role this this week than the normal. But uh, the the outlaws make short work of everybody. Al Snow, uh, Val Venus, and uh, Goldust. You know, so ends in an all contest. And yeah, it's it is what it is. It cuts backstage then I, to sorry. Like I accept that like this era is like you say is not about the wrestling. It's not necessarily about the wins and losses. But I was a little disappointed in this one. I thought there was like whenever Billy Gunn won the hardcore title, I thought it was beneath him. But I was like, let it play out. Maybe there'll be something come of it. And I was kind of into this when it was happening. Like tag team going out to fight each other, but you know, trying to keep it, you know, at the very least civil. Mm. And then, you know, there'd be, you could have all sorts of interesting dynamics from that afterwards. Like if one of them loses and they stay together as a tag team, but, you know, maybe now feels like he's the inferior version. I just thought there was a lot of interesting stuff they could do with it. Yeah, but I, you, I was see, a little disappointed to see it end in a another no no contest. See, you're, you're, you're looking at it from the wrong way. I mean, I, I agree with you. I really do. And the way they established it, that's the story they wanted to tell. But really the story they wanted to tell was, we need to put bodies in the ring. Yeah. Just go for it. And, that, and that's unfortunate. I mean, again, the Road Dog should be a hardcore champion. And Billy Gunn should be the IC champion. It's an ill fit, but they've walked themselves into this storyline around the Blue Meanie and Ryan Shamrock and Goldust. That, that, and that... that is the next segment. As I said, it's weird. I never, I didn't even know, I'll be honest with you, I didn't know the Blue Mini had music. This, this next segment is a doozy. Kind of <laughs> tremendous. <laughs> yeah, it's a doozy. It really is. Um, we, we quickly get uh, a backstage segment where the Legion of Doom destroy Pat Patterson and Briscoe because obviously last week they dressed up as the Legion of Doom. So the Legion of Doom are back, everybody. Yay! Um, it was a very understated way to bring them back, wasn't it? Like it was, yeah. It was like have them do that, but have them do it in their gear in the ring, you know, with like their entrance. Like have Briscoe and Patterson out in the ring doing their shtick, and then the Legion of Doom entrance music plays, and they come out and they batter them, and you know, I don't know. It just it just seemed a, a very muted way to to you know bring. What it, you know what it seemed like. It seemed like, remember that kendo stick match that happened? Yeah. That's what it felt like. Yeah, because to be honest, 
because the, because of the way they attacked Briscoe and Patterson, you really only saw the backs of them as well. So they weren't even like immediately identifiable as Hawk and Animal. Yeah, they weren't wearing the gear. I mean, like, they're just two lads then. I mean, yeah. <laughs> what's the point? They weren't even wearing, you know, their own T-shirt, which I mean is not ideal either, but at least, you know, let let them know who you are. You know, it's 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 silly. But okay, on to the segment. So Blue Mini walks out. He's wearing his his homemade shirt, which is disturbing. But you know, fair enough. It, it's such a weird, such a such a weird overall <laughs> package. The Blue Medium. It, it is kind of genius though as well. Like I mean, it's such a weird, 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 weird segment and idea. So he's wearing a shirt. I I do appreciate the overall presentation. I mean, I guess the most. Like this is raw, and Blue Meanie's out there cutting a promo with music again. My mind is blown that he has music. I'm like, whoa, he went through trouble of doing a Titantron for him. Didn't make his own T-shirt, which I mean, they probably could have sold a bit of it. Um, and he's out there, and he calls out Shamrock. And it was very important to say Shamrock. He has a chair and everything with him, and he he says he wants to spank Shamrock, right? You're like, whoa, he's going to call out Ken Shamrock. And he, he had me going for a moment as well. I'm like, well, he's going to get killed. Ken Shamrock's yeah, going to kill him. I was actually looking forward to that. I was going to yeah. be like, so I was like, Shamrock's like, going to go and kill him. Yeah, I was like, this is going to be unbelievable. It's Ryan Shamrock using his own, using his music. Uh, so Ryan Shamrock comes out uh, and yeah, he says he's going to spank Ryan Shamrock. Now, what's weird about it is she walks over to him and he actually grabs her and starts, you know, getting ready well, to spank. He, I, do, I don't know if it was a case of, I don't know if the story is that maybe she's into it a wee bit or I, if it's no, a bit I, like I, when someone's going for a suplex and they stick their own arm up, you know. Yeah, it's just, yeah I, I, think, I, I think it's the second. I think it's the second one, to be honest. Yeah, with you. but yeah. She, she definitely didn't look like she was putting up any kind of a major fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was, it was, it was very silly. Um, so he, he, he grabs her and gets ready to, to deliver the smack and uh, Ken Shamrock comes out kills the Blue Meanie Goldus comes out uh, gets the ankle lock on him and then the Blue Meanie wellies Ken with a chair shot to the head oh, absolutely absolutely wellies him with it I think that might be a I think that might be a Ken Shamrock thing so apparently do you know that real famous yes. headshot that The Rock gives him where he like pancakes him in the face with it. Yeah. Apparently before uh, they went out there, he told The Rock, if you do not hit me with that thing, I'm not going to sell it. So like, you better swing it. Uh, and I imagine <laughs> that the Blue Meanie, he said the same thing to him here because I can't imagine that the Blue Meanie went out there and just decided <laughs> to stiff Ken Shamrock with a chair shot out of the I, blue. I, I think you're right. I, I think it's kind of a Ken Shamrock thing where he's like, no, make this look real. And it was, because it probably was. But it, it's interesting because the story of this shows that the trade and we're in cahoots together because Goldust wanted to weaken Ken Shamrock for the match. So it actually is a really, really, like, it, it, it's weird as all hell, right? It's a weird segment, <laughs> but it also shows that Goldust's whole thing is to mess with the opponents so he wins. You're like, man, that's exactly what he's supposed to do. He's he's in the head of pretty much everybody because he's in Ken he's in Ken Ken Shamrock's head entirely. He's in Ryan Shamrock also entirely. And so, <laughs> he's definitely in Ryan Shamrock. Yeah, 
And you're just like, well, okay. So, I mean, he has... The mind games here are, like, serious. Serious, serious. And then it shows that, you know, yeah, the blue meanie might look ridiculous, but he's a dangerous animal. Yeah, he's got a, he's got a role to play in all this. Yeah, it, it's very good. And that chair shot made him look legit as all hell. <laughs> like, you know, and then Kenny runs after him, and he looks weak as all hell on this which is sad because I mean I love Ken Shamrock I think he's great but this unfortunately was not his night oh my god hold on I just realised something I think that's Joey Styles at the frat party really I think so it looks just like him oh that's, that's awesome that, well I mean it could be it looks just like him when did he start with ECW Oh, like 96, 97. God, he'd hardly be. Yeah, no, just, no, I don't think it is. I don't think it is, but it really, whatever way I just stopped the video there, it looks just like him. So they cut back to the frat party. And I mean, a lot of these guys, it pro- look, a lot of these guys probably aren't actually in a frat party. They're probably independent wrestlers. So that's why I, I thought, you know, like anytime they, sorry guys, whenever you have wrestlers, whenever you have wrestlers at places, they're usually independent wrestlers who are there, guys who, you know, want a quick payday. Uh, because usually there's wrestling involved and you have to be able to take them. Uh, we get a random flash of cleave- the Cleavage household. Now, do you know what this is referring to? I was, I have it down in my notes here to ask it because I was okay. absolutely baffled by what this was. Oh. So for anyone who hasn't seen it, what happens is that as we move from this segment into the next segment, there's a period... Um, and it's not like a quick thing. It's up on screen for maybe 15, 20 seconds. Yeah, it, it, it's a sustained cut. Yeah, of just a picture of this house with a, a post box outside it. And on the post box is written cleavage. And yes. nobody's saying anything. Nobody's explaining it. <laughs> I was, uh, yeah, I was kind of baffled by that. Okay, I can do one of two things. I can either tell you exactly what it is or you can wait. But it, it, uh, do you know what? If it's something that's going to be paid off, let's wait and let's see if I could, <laughs> if my guess as to what it was going to be <laughs> was even remotely close. Oh, well, okay. I'll, I'll I'll just say it's hinting at a wrestler we're going to see very soon. We've already seen the wrestler. It, it's it's Mosh's repackaging. Oh. Okay. So, yeah. So, I, I remember... Yeah, I remember Masha's repackaging. Yeah, it, it's on. It's so bad. It's on WrestleCrap, uh, and yeah, we're going to see it. Uh, let's see. I, I don't know when it drops in, but it's going to be very, very soon. I look forward to that. Yeah. So it, it is a weird one. Uh, the character is called Beaver Cleavage. That's the character. Um, <laughs> and that's all. Last very long because that's all, uh, that's all I'm going to say. Because I'm not going to get into any more of it because we're actually going to have to cover it in real life. And I don't think we're going to be able to cover it on the radio. (laughs) (laughs) But no, it it is a reference to the re-debuting Mosh, known as Beaver Cleavage. And that's all we're saying. Do not, you can look it up if you want to, or you can wait and watch it with us as it's unfolding week to week. So that's what it is. Uh, Payoff, I I didn't want to, to lead you astray, Martin, because it doesn't pay off. (laughs) It just gets worse. Um, and then we have uh, Midian. We go from cleavage to cleavage. <laughs> so we have Midian and Viscera walking out with the with with the Ministry. 
Uh, Shane McMahon is getting ready for his match, and then it goes to another doozy of a segment. Sable's out. Yay. Um, Sable defeats Ivory in two minutes with Dino. Sable not carrying a copy of Playboy with her for what feels like the first time in about six years. But she cuts one of the worst promos I've ever heard in my life. Oh, it's it's dreadful. She is... Look, 1999 was probably a different time. It absolutely was a different time. I don't see the appeal of Sable. Obviously, Brock Lesnar disagrees with me. Fair. I'm not gonna, you know. But, I mean, I don't see the appeal as a wrestler or as, you know, this this goddess who she's been betrayed to be. I mean, Ivory seems way cooler. Give the belt mm. to Ivory. I mean, she seems way well, more interesting. And well, actually Ivory, is... Ivory's problem was that she could wrestle in an era when, like... They didn't really care about women who could wrestle. Like they, they, I mean, even, I mean, look, even Jacqueline and um, Terry Reynolds walk out. Both of them are cooler than Sable. Sable just doesn't seem cool. She seems kind of, I don't know, kind of lame. Like, well, am I off base here, or do you get? No, no. I think like we all like you're, you're dancing around because you're a gentleman. Like, oh. big tits is what is what it is. That's fair. That's, fair. that's what it was. You know. I mean, I'm, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. But I mean, like, it's just. I don't know, man. I mean, just putting her out there and she... I don't know. I, I mean, you're right. It's just, there's three women out there who are so much more talented than Sable. Oh, and, you know, and, and it's just, the, the match is just god-awful. It's not the worst women's match of all time, obviously. That TNA still hold that honour. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's... And, it's but, it's, I mean, like, it, everything, everything, yeah, everything is botched in it. And I mean from... I'm not even talking about the move like the moves are botched but even just like um running the ropes and then drop down and a step over even that's botched <laughs> so the fin- the finish is a, is a, a mirror bomb or a sable bomb and it looks hack yeah she can't, oh, she she has to put she has to bring her up twice and even then just drops her like a sack of two, potatoes two or three times that they got the timing off with the with the jump and the lift wrong yeah um but look, yeah, she hits the bomb and it's over. I, I'd say this is what? This is maybe two minutes long, is it? Yeah, uh, yeah, two minutes. It, it reminded me of, uh, there's a quote from uh, Black Books. I don't know if anyone of our American listeners maybe haven't heard of it, but it's, for my money, it's it's the best sitcom that's ever been made um, where this guy goes into the main character, uh, Bernard Black. He owns a bookshop and this guy goes into his bookshop and he buys this book. And Bernard uh, takes the money for it, and he goes, "Enjoy." It's dreadful, but it's quite short. And uh, <laughs> that's what I got from that's what I got from this match. It was dreadful, but it was quite short. So and, you know, that's fair. And I will say the uh, Sable's tenure with WWE is starting to run out now, so we won't see her very, very much longer in WWE. And you will see Sable, Ivory, and the rest of the women who genuinely deserve it. So. As a terrible, quite short. I, I like that. I'm going to steal that one. Um, we then have the the first co-main event of the night. Mankind defeats The Rock by DQ and a winner gets to be... So this is what the match is actually called. Winner gets to be the referee for the main event match. <laughs> I'll tell you what. That's what it's called. Who, That's what it's called. As, as someone who did a lot of refereeing, like, you get surprisingly exhausted even just being a referee. So if nothing else, like, I know we... Maybe don't think this particular storyline with, with uh, mankind is great. If nothing else, having a wrestling match and then going to being a referee—that's that's a 
It's a good bit of stamina. That's a tough night, you know. Um, this is a long enough match. This is like seven minutes. And the thing about it is, what I like about it is, it's a callback to what they've done before. You know, these two men have been in wars with each other. You know, it, it pretty much the whole start of the year. It's starting off pretty much, well, even before that, rock bottom and stuff like that in December. Uh, and the deadly games before. This is like a four-month feud, basically. And this is kind of not the blow-off for it, but getting there. Um it's not a bad match. It's by no means the best match that they've that they've ever had, but it's a very enjoyable match. Um, the ending of it, I like that. I thought this was a a decent match. Um, the end. The, the I just want to say, before you jump in, the ending of it sucks with the Big Show costing like he does a choke slam in front of the referee, and it's like, what? yeah, you cost your own guy the match. So that that's what I wanted to say. Go on, Martin. Sorry for interrupting. No, no, I I, I completely agree with you. It's like it it was a decent match. Definitely by, you know, raw standards. Like, this isn't the era of, like, you know, real long, uh, sort of critically acclaimed matches on Raw. Um, I thought this was decent. Uh, the ending, yes, spoiled it a bit. But it was somewhat saved by the fact that I think Mick Foley takes the best choke slam in all of wrestling. He's this big gay... I don't know if it's like a, a fearlessness thing or what, but he gets up for the choke slam like nobody else. Legs swung up in the air and takes it completely on his back. Uh, it's I love watching watching Mick get choke slammed. Yeah, no, he, he just he, he takes it better than pretty much anyone else. Uh, yeah, and I mean I think again this is establishing the big show right now. The big show's main thing is I can do a choke slam and I'm tall. But Mick gets some uh, revenge with a chair. And he's like, you know, he he stands his ground. He's like, no, I'm not going to be beaten up or, you know, battered again. Because, I mean, we've seen what The Rock can do with a chair. So it's funny. Mick was like, yeah, I'm not doing this again. I'm getting the chair. Um, then we have uh, Shane McMahon and X-Pac in an Albany street fight. Greenwich, sorry, an Albany Greenwich street fight. Now, they hyped this up for a long period of time and said, right, what is what this is going to be? But it, it there just before we get to that, there is uh, an, a non-match. It's, it's actually not in this um, in this recap that I'm reading. It's actually only on the show. So they're, they're hyping up the Albany Street, Street fight. We'll get to that. But before we do, it's a match. Kane versus Goldust. I'm surprised that this isn't in the recap. Because it's not in the recap. This yeah. is fantastic. What's interesting about it is um, the recap that I'm reading, it, it, it only counts the matches. So obviously this doesn't oh, count right. the, the match, right? So it's Kane do, do, doing his full entrance and then Goldust doing his full entrance. However, Goldust pulls out a big flamethrower and fires at Kane because it's not Goldust. It's Triple H dressed as Goldust. He was, do you know what? He had me, Triple H had me right up until the edge of the entrance. So he comes out in front of the Titantron and he's walking down. And it's, is that Goldust? Is that, I don't know, it's hard to tell. And he gets the whole way down the, the ramp and I'm still with it. And just before it's the facial he gets expressions, the, it's the facial it's, expressions. Yeah. It's not even that what give it away for me anyway. Just before he gets in the ring, he 
he turns to climb the steps and you get the side profile and you see that giant Triple H honker of a nose and then you're like, oh, that's not gold dust. No, I mean, what I'm saying in a good way, the, the facial expressions really sold it. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, he, he really he, sold it. He really, like, it was it was really good. Um, uh, a really good impression of Goldust. <laughs> yeah, for me, it was when he got down to the, the corner and he turned and he saw his profile, they were like, I could recognize that big Hunter Hearst honker anywhere. The question I have is, where did he get the big coat from? Yeah. He would have had to get that specially made. Unless he stole it, maybe, or beat him up backstage, or uh, I don't know. I don't know. It, look, it was a good segment, though, but yeah, it doesn't count as anything in, in the recap. It, it's just one of those moments. But again, we we'll, so years ago, watching Wrest, or even like I, I still have WrestleMania 15 on, on VHS, and that would be shown. But it wasn't anywhere. So that's what's cool about this. It's here. You know, they're building up for something. They have this random match, and then they go back to the street fight, which, again, is and another they, angle. This is an they, angle inside of an angle. And they learned from the uh, from Kane's <laughs> little flamethrower. Yes. Yes. This is a much more impressive blast. I suppose maybe you can do that with Kane because he's he's covered most up. Of his body is covered. Um, but yeah, this is this uh, is a cool surprise. The fireball looks awesome. Like makes sense in the story. I thought this was a great segment. And we have then we have one final segment again. They're building up to the street fight, which is you know because again it's a Shane challenged X Pac, so they're building up to that. And then we have an impromptu cut back to the frat party again. Frat party is probably you know beside the studio. <laughs> Bob Holly shows up and he's like, "You cost me my match with your table," <laughs> and then starts attacking Doctor Death. So this directly ties to what happened on Heat, where he spent the entire time moaning about you know, the table that was set up. And Bob Hardy actually gets busted open, uh, not busted open, but he is cut hard way in the side of the head because uh, they're fighting in what, what is an actual kitchen. And then finally we get the Greenwich Street just, fight. So just before we get on the street fight, I thought this was great, had great potential. Um, the two of them destroying like a flimsy student house, I think could have been amazing. Mm. Uh, it just kind of fell short. It, it didn't do quite enough. Um, and this phony static that kept coming in now. That looked terrible. Yeah, that looked really terrible. Yeah. took me out of it. So I thought this was a great idea. And uh, unusually for the time, because like we've been talking about how inventive they are during this period and how they're doing much more with a lot less. Um, I just thought that this was a good idea, but just not very well executed. You know, I think it was. I think it was, um, as you said, overproduction. The static was overproduction. What they could have done is they could have actually had a proper feed and just jiggled it out a little bit and just recorded that and it would have done done a little bit better. Or just have the end of it be one of the lads gets thrown into the cameraman and it's... Yeah, and then that's it. Like, it's just, I don't think they they taught this through or maybe overtaught it, which is the case. So Shane comes out, uh, he's wearing the, his own DX jersey, which is, which is good crack. Uh, X-Pac walks out wearing the road dog shirt, which is still weird to see. Again, we talked about this last <laughs> week where wearing someone else's merch is, is bizarre. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I just didn't understand it. <laughs> and, uh, X-Pac, um, uh, Shane throws a, a wild haymaker 
and X-Pac delivers a spinning heel kick, knocks him to the ground, and the Mean Street Posse with an extra member, because the Mean Street Posse usually just have, uh, you know, uh, Pete Gas, Joey Abs, and Rodney, but there's another lad there who I, I think he's something green. They mentioned him on Heat, but yeah, he's some random lad, and they batter, um, they batter poor old X-Pac. X-Pac, yeah. And, uh, yeah, they get up and, and Shane, they drive away and Shane is, is, is outside the, oh, up on the sunroof going, yeah, yeah, whatever. And then we have Undertaker just staring into the camera. This, uh, yeah. This Which caught again. me off, it caught me off guard. It genuinely yeah, this, caught me off guard. This again was another thing that I just thought, a slight tweak, I had no issue with the promo itself, but it's the fact that he was delivering it directly down the camera. All I could think was that the Lord of Darkness was stood there, you know, with some camera guy behind it going, okay, we're live in three, two, and fire away whenever you... (laughs) It just... It's uh, just weird. But again, that's, you know, we've talked about this. These random... And I know it sounds like it's disjointed. Guys, it's not. If you're not watching the show, this is how it's done. Recaps don't... I mean, imagine recapping this. Well, you probably weren't recapping it on the internet the way you would now. That'd be a nightmare. What happened? Go back, you know, it, it, even trying to go through it, you're going through it bit by bit by bit because so much happens in just a short space of time. Um, well, like, the, uh, we go from here, we go from Kane and Goldust, turns out to be not Goldust, whips out a fire a flamethrower, shoots Kane in the face, hardcore Dr. Death, um... Uh, battering each other at a, at a house party, smashing around, camera cuts off into a street fight with Shane McMahon and X-Pac. A, actually, a pretty cool kick and, a, and, a, and a, a rough bump from Shane. It was a good into, kick, yeah. Into The Undertaker. That happens in the space of about... <laughs> four minutes. Seven minutes? Four, four minutes. to seven minutes, yeah. Four to seven minutes. And then that goes in... And then that goes into a wild... Unpredictable, no contest, six man, six man tag team match. There's no tag in here. It goes straight to the outside. The corporation and the Ministry of Darkness batter each other around the ring. Use weapons immediately, and it gets thrown out. And then we go straight into an ad to WrestleMania. There's one, there's one great spot in this um, where uh, Bossman hits the Undertaker. Was it with the with the nightstick? With the night second he goes yeah, down. Yeah, that's a good, good spot. And then, he, and then Undertaker does, you know, the cool setup that he does. But Bossman lines up to hit him again. And whatever happens, someone in the background is throwing a beach ball around. Yeah. And it's the weirdest angle. But I swear to God, it looks like the boss man is teeing up with his nightstick and he just bops the beach ball like the other side of the arena. I'm kind of glad they got they got rid of beach balls. That's the, you know I draw the line at beach balls being thrown around because it's you know signs yeah. are one thing, but uh, beach it, balls are another. It's where you stop becoming a part of the show and you start taking away from it. Yeah, absolutely. But speaking of signs, and that that's what we call a, a segue. So we have our own little chat that we kind of, you know, obviously talks it through and we see signs, we kind of laugh at them. And we saw this random one a couple of weeks ago, Martin, where it was Vince, it's a yellow sign and says Vince McMahon is gay and also loves to bang little chickens. (laughs) (laughs) And we're like, that's such a weird sign. Oh, I love it. It's gas. This this same one also had another sign. Um, 
that was uh, just, I think, just in a different part of the arena from that one. But again, a very simple cardboard saying someone holding up just said, Vince, you silly bastard. <laughs> but as I was watching this one, I was like, oh, my God, this is where the sign comes from. <laughs> because, you know, Vince is walking out shirtless, but still wearing his suit top. And I'm like, wait, this looks familiar. And then when I saw that, I was like, yes. <laughs> so Mark Tape, March 22nd, 1999, one hour, one hour, uh, 15 minutes, 14 seconds. That's where you can see this wonderful sign, which when we do our book, ladies and gentlemen, that will be given pride to place because it's such a bizarre crazy crazy sign that makes no sense and it's but, uh, it's mad it's it's one of those uh iconic moments but not one you see in a lot of video packages no unless it's a south park reference to the chicken lover oh it could be yeah south park was south park was, was really big at this point big south park yeah so i mean maybe but other that's the only thing i can think about uh for this because i don't think there's any actual reason for it you know um, but you know what? It's saying like that, that it's even better when there's no reason for us. That's true. That's true. So Vince comes out and cuts a promo, uh, and basically it is like, look, you know, The Rock's gonna win this match. Uh, I, sorry, The Rock's gonna come out, uh, do commentary. Paul White's gonna win this match, and then you know, basically overcome Mick Foley. So look, the match itself, it, it's a we, you know, you, you made a very good point that this is. Paul White's first WWE match. It's it is the longest match that we've actually seen on Raw. It's about ten minutes long, um, and it's a, it's a it's a very good match. Stone Cold Steve Austin, uh, you know, can get can get the um, it doesn't didn't really need to wrestle at this point. Actually, none of the main stars really need to wrestle at this point, but I think Paul White did, and maybe going in with Austin, they're like, no, we're actually gonna do a long match here and actually tell some kind of story. Austin does defeat Paul White and, you know, Mick, Mick's a great referee, actually. Um, it, it does a lot to actually set up WrestleMania as well and get yeah. Austin over, but also damages Paul White quite, quite I, severely. You know, at the end of this, I mean... I actually thought the opposite. I thought that, yeah, Austin won, but I mean, Austin's the biggest star in the world at this stage. Yeah. But the fact that he had to put him down with Three unprotected headshots. Four. It's four. I just double checked. Four. Yeah. It's four, four, and then the stunner. And then a stunner. I thought, you know, I did. I definitely wouldn't call it a burial. You know, I thought. No, no, that's that, that's not where I'm getting at. What I'm saying is, I mean, when Paul White came in, he should have been fed a bunch of guys, and Absolutely. then and to make him a star. Like all that happened here was, he was an obstacle for Austin to overcome. A big obstacle, yeah. one that you know you need to you know you know give brain damage to to beat, but at the same time, I think that's a bad use of the big show because he oh, never yeah. he never recovers from this angle. He goes against Mick at WrestleMania, who beats him. Spoilers alert! And then he keeps going in. It's not until later on in the year when he actually starts winning, and that's kind of the problem I have with it. Not so much that it happened. It's like it never should have happened. The big show should have been a massive star way earlier on. It's it's not until, geez, maybe 2007, 2008, that he actually becomes a big star in WWE, which is crazy, yeah. you know? And, and again, it's, like you say, it's not for lack of trying. He no. was brought in, he was given a lot of time, he was put into a main event angle. But like you say, thanks to the fact that 
it's taken this long to actually get him in the ring for a match that he should have come in and not only been fed a bunch of guys to murder, mm. but he should have come in and had like a real shock victory against someone huge. Like he should have come in and smashed like Kane or The Undertaker or someone like a real yeah. shock. I think that would have been actually a better use, a better use of him. But look, it, it was the cards that he had at the time and it was, yeah. it was what it was. Um, the show goes off the air with the rock getting in off commentary and beats up Stone Cold, and we go off the um, air with Austin. Um, sorry, with Austin crowd, around him. and the crowd absolutely losing it. Yeah, no. So basically, the rock is standing up victorious, crowds losing it, and Vince is shouting his head off, and, and that's how we end uh, Raw, and then it goes into Heat, which is the same day as WrestleMania. Obviously, it's from the arena. It looks great. Unfortunately, we're not going to put that in our timeline because literally nothing happens. It's just promos, with the exception of a terrible Jacqueline Ivory match, uh, which Jacqueline wins, and then an invitational battle royale where D'Lo and Test win to uh, basically be able to challenge for the tag belts at WrestleMania. That's what happens. Uh, watch it anyway before WrestleMania, but we're now at WrestleMania 15. That's going to be our show next week. Martin, what have you thought about the build up to WrestleMania so far? And are you looking forward to shows? What matches are you looking forward to, to seeing? Oh, yeah, yeah. So, like, a couple of weeks ago, um, I don't know if you remember, there was maybe one or two episodes where I thought they were kind of just spinning tires. wasn't much happening. But it's all kicking off now. Like, this is... If I'm watching this at the time, I am bouncing off the walls waiting for WrestleMania. And, well, it's a testament to how good uh, the build has been that I know this is a terrible WrestleMania. Yeah. Still can't wait to see it. I mean, you know, as I said, I, I've kind of jumped ahead a little bit and I started watching it. I didn't watch all of it. Um, I'm going to probably watch, I'm going to watch it tonight, to be honest with you. Um, it is a terrible WrestleMania, but it has moments that's quite good. I mean, there are, like, I've seen this WrestleMania probably eight times um, in different ways. And the Kane Triple H match now I'm actually way more interested in than I probably ever was because I now know the full story week to week to week. Uh, the hardcore match is quite good. Um, you, you can pick the matches out that are bad. And we've already covered one. The Brawl for All Revenge beating by Butterbean to Bark Gun, which uh, if you guys haven't checked out our special Christmas show, our, our New Year's Eve show, wasn't it? New Year's Eve with James Truepenny. That's on the feed. Go check that out. Um, and look, we'll be back next week to break down uh, a, a rather disappointing WrestleMania, but has moments, and I'm interested, Martin, for you to watch this because I'm going to rewatch it again with with a, with a clean slate to see if what I liked ha- uh, still holds up, and maybe what doesn't. Um, I I already know some of it isn't going to hold up, but a lot of it probably will, um, and some of it I might actually appreciate a lot more. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Uh, Martin, before we get out here, is there anything you want to plug? Um, no, no, I'm just, um, I'm kind of excited for the next few weeks. I like that we've lined up, you know, uh, WrestleMania 15 with, you know, WrestleMania that's coming up. So with your Austin interview, and then this episode, and then we'll be doing Mania, and then we've we'll been into 2023 Mania. So I think it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks for comparing and contrasting. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, like, I, I mean, I think it's, it's one of those shows as well where, you know, I, I'm glad we did this. It just kind of... Uh, lined up so next week we have uh, WrestleMania 15 
the week after is the week of WrestleMania, so we'll probably do something else at that point, probably outside of the timeline. I might just find something fun. <laughs> or guys, if you're listening and you want us to review something, let us actually let us know something outside of the timeline. We'll probably cover that then, or we might even do a WrestleMania, uh, something WrestleMania. I- I'll have a think about it, and then the week after will be WrestleMania 2023. So that's that's the next couple of weeks for us, folks. Uh, thank you so much. If you haven't, please spread the word of the podcast, spread the word of the show. Uh, follow us on social media as well. You can email us, and if you want to help support the show. Go over to the Patreon, give us some X-Pac Euros, give us a list of your bookly, and uh, that'll help us a great deal. So from Martin, from myself, from Dave, who will probably be back for WrestleMania, like actual WrestleMania, not 15. Uh, this has been the Wrestling Rewind. We will see you next week to talk about WrestleMania 15 from 1989. Bye, guys. See you for Thank you for listening to a Nerd to Know Media production.